We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a Saturday night edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Arizona makes a statement to the country. Plus, Notre Dame magic, the fighting Irish, pull it off over Kentucky. The Big East Conference keeps rolling. Arkansas gets a reality check and much more in the next hour. We will welcome in Arizona standout Kerr Creesa in mere moments here. And we'll have Wisconsin's own Chris Vogt with something that goes beyond basketball that you need to tune into because we need all your help tonight. But we begin with basketball talk. I'm John Fanta. Jeff Goodman is with us. Terrence Oglesby is with us. We're going deep into the night on what was the best Saturday of the season thus far, gentlemen. Jeff, your lead headline out of the gates on this edition of After Dark is? Come on, Fanta. Like, like it's my friggin' alma mater, baby. Come on. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing here? Lead headline. I got the sneakers back there. I got the hat. Like, Arizona is back, baby. Like, and they exacted some revenge. Now, these kids probably had no idea, but 2005 was tough, man. Illinois, Elite Eight game. Arizona had that game won. It's in Chicago. It's like the last time I could actually be a fan. And and they broke my heart, uh, the Illini. D. Brown, Darren Williams, Roger Powell. So I'm saying Arizona, clearly the lead headline, going to Champaign and coming back to Tucson with a victory. I'm going with that one, too. I thought this is my first time watching Arizona all the way through, and I'm a little bit upset with myself that I haven't watched more of Benedict Mathurin. Like, how impressive is that guy? 6'6", built like a Greek god. He guards with so much intensity. He has an edge to him. 30 points, boys, and he was tough to stop. I, I love the manner in which this team plays. And Illinois, they have their strengths, obviously. That's a team full of shooters. They got a lot of guys that could shoot the ball. But when they were on the floor beside Arizona, you could just see the size difference around the perimeter with their wings, even with their bigs. I got to give credit to Christian Coloco. He had his hands full down there. And they weren't doubling. They said, hey, man, you're on your own against Kofi Coburn. You're on your own. And he more than did his job. I thought he was terrific as well. Tommy Lloyd, it happened quick, but I don't understand. I, I can't see a, a good argument as to why Arizona is not a top five team in the country. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with both of you guys. They proved today that they are back. You go to Champaign, a real difficult place to play when it fills up. 
And this is one of the games of the year thus far in the sport. I just thought it was high level from start to finish. You take a look at it. If I had told you guys that at home, Illinois knocked down 16 three-pointers and that they would lose, that they would lose. And the reason why is, Jeff, Matherin, we talked about it, but the length, the length that Tommy Lloyd has, and he inherited the talent. But, but what I want to know from you is, as, a, as an Arizona guy uh, and as someone who's been close with this program, tell me about Tommy Lloyd, the coach, that's allowing this to all click together. Well, I, I've said that I think the big thing was, you know, Sean Miller took these guys and recruited them. And really, he recruited international kids because he had no choice. You know, the NCAA stuff was hanging over their head. And they were lucky. I mean, they got Nico Mannion and Josh Green and Zeke Naji a few years ago. But after that, it was affecting them. So what did they do? They, they went international. And, and really, it was Jack Murphy who stayed on. He was kind of the key guy for getting some of these, these imports. And they've been absolutely terrific. And what I think happened here was Sean Miller got those guys as freshmen and toughened them up and taught them how to guard. But what they are is they're perfect Tommy Lloyd Gonzaga type players. They're international guys that are super skilled, that know how to play, that now again have kind of that mesh of toughness from Sean Miller and the skill with Tommy Lloyd. And they're allowed to play with a little bit more freedom right now. And, and again, Ben Matherin is a lottery pick. Uh, Tubelis is a terrific college basketball player. And, and Kirk Risa, he was the big question mark for me coming in. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Point guard situation. He only played, you know, eight games or so last year. And remember, they self-imposed the NCAA tournament ban last year. So we got to see, too, what the NCAA does with them if they make any decision. I don't think they'll do anything before the end of the year. But um, listen, this team is fun to watch, period. And they move the ball around the perimeter so well. And when that ball pops, it gives their athletes opportunities to attack the rim because they're attacking closeouts. They don't shoot a ton of threes, but they make enough of them to where they can use their athleticism around the rim. And Kirk Creasa, at the end of the game, whenever Oof. Illinois started playing drop coverage and he was able to create a little bit more space, and he'll talk about it here in a little bit, Jeff, like – Whenever he was able to get down there and use that little floater, man, he put on a clinic. It was a lot of fun to watch. This team, like you said, defensively, they have an edge. And it is it, – it almost reminds me of a Big East team, Fanta, just to kind of fire up your conference a little bit. Well, you know it's kind of a better version of Seton Hall. They're a better version of Seton Hall. Well, and, and I think that their size scores the ball as well as any team in America. You know, a lot of teams have size, but it, they don't know how to – go to it enough offensively for it to really make the difference in a game on the offensive end of the floor. Today, Arizona beat Illinois because Arizona said, we're going to get higher percentage shots. We're going to move the basketball well, and they have a point guard. I mean, you, you said it. Kirk Kreisa is his, – his management of the game and of the situation, so poised, so composed. And when I watch Arizona play, it actually I'm, – I'm going to stay in their own league. It kind of reminds me of like your your early 2000s, the great Pac-12 teams of that day. Like they, they have a throwback field in them and they have such a connection. And I would put them right now, fact or fiction, I, I want your judgment on this statement. Arizona belongs in the same level of conversation 
that we talk Purdue, Duke, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Villanova. They belong with that groupings of teams that could win it all. Fact or fiction? Yeah, I'll say fact. I still want to see more more of them and more of Creesa, to be honest. Like, yes, he has some poise. He has a lot of shit to him, and we're going to hear from him soon. But I also think, you know, he can make some bonehead plays as well. So he, he that's good. In a way, that's kind of what you need there. And the other part, guys, is let, let's face it. Arizona beat a Michigan team that doesn't look very good right now. They beat a Wichita State team in Vegas that doesn't look very good right now. They beat an Illinois team today that does not have Andre Corbella. Now, they've got great wings, and those dudes made shots today. And Kofi was good late in the game, but he struggled through much of the game because Coloco was a guy, he hadn't seen that length and that athleticism up front. I, I still want to see a little bit more from Arizona before I put them in that. They deserve to be in that class right now. I want to see if they can sustain it. I think a lot of it comes down to Kirk Creasa, but what I like so much about this team is they have go-to scorers. Azulas Tabilas, or yeah, Tabilas? Tabellas. Tabellas, excuse me. Yeah. Like a back-to-the-basket guy who can do it and much more athletic than I ever thought he was. Looking at film coming into this year, thought mostly, you know, they're going to set it up. They did some different things when Sean was there than what he's doing now. He runs his butt off getting down the floor. I think they're really good uh, Top five, I think, at this point in the season, for sure. We're going to see, the longer the season goes, and, and Goodwin's big on point guard play. And it's hard for me to disagree with him right now. Look, you, if you're not big on point guard play, then you're living under a rock. But I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you. Kirk Creesa. Uh, here's what I like about that, though. You, you, you brought up a good point about some of the boneheaded plays. I'd rather you make some of those in December – and kind of sort through the good of that. Like, one, this is one concern that I have with, with Purdue, to just go along that conversation of, have you hit your ceiling, and do we know, like, your greatness point? Like, can you change your ceiling throughout a season? And one thing that Arizona has going that some of these other teams don't is, let's face it, Arizona is going to have league games where they might have the game wrapped up by the 12 minute mark or regulation and Tommy Lloyd can say, I'd like to try some stuff out here, or I'd like to tinker a little bit. Maybe I can find something out about my team because that's a luxury that other teams don't always have. And Arizona's going to, they're going to have that luxury. Like Arizona outside of UCLA, that, that's the clear top two in the PAC 12. It is. Yeah. And listen, they've got a guy kind of like I've said about Jaden Ivy for Purdue. They're different, but Matherin is a wing that you can give the ball to and just say, make a play. He's a really good shooter and he's able to put it on the floor and make a play. And to Bellis is a guy that again, is so underrated. Uh, he just produces every night. So to me, again, I hate to, to say it and, and be the guy that bangs the drum over and over, but T.O. knows where I'm going with it. It's all point guard play for me with Arizona. It's all point guard play. And it comes down honestly to Kirk Crease and how far they're going to go. Well, Let's hear from the man himself today because he was so, so big for this Arizona Wildcats team. 19 points, eight rebounds. Kid can rebound the basketball, five assists, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Let's get to know him a little bit more, too. It's Kirk Creesa who starred for the Wildcats today.
All right, now joined by one of the stars of Arizona's win over Illinois today, Kerr Creesa. And uh, Kerr, congrats, man. Congrats. I'm wearing it with pride today. I got the sneakers back there. I got the hat on. And, and you went bananas. First half, you were quiet. You were quiet. And then second half, it was like swagger. Uh, Kerr came out there. What, what happened? Uh, yeah, I think I had... Uh... I think they were. They started the game really good. Their game plan. They really pushed their game plan on us. Uh, they were really denying me really hard, so I couldn't really play our good our like play our game. Uh, I was more playing off the ball, setting screens and stuff like this. But I feel like second half they did some adjustments. I don't know what they did, but uh, I had way more space and uh, I could see the floor better. So it really it really helped me. Hey, so Curry, your mother made it. For this game, correct? She, your mother made it for this game. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom flew here for the game. Yeah. What a what a great time to have a great game, and for her to see the kind of atmosphere that was at Illinois, and for you to just explode. I mean, she had to be happy, and it had to feel good for you to be able to play that well in front of her. Yeah, I feel I feel sorry for my mom's nerves. I really do. I, <laughs> that's the thing you can't buy in life: uh, nerves. So. Uh, she just came. We just talked a little bit. She was pretty stressed. But, yeah, I'm super happy that my mom just saw the environment of college basketball, of real college basketball. Uh, because, you know, she's she's been to some games in Estonia, Lithuania, but uh, it's nothing like, uh, not like that. This was the first game she's ever been to of yours at Arizona? No, no. She's been, that's already, I don't know, her third game. Yeah, she okay. even threw up to Corvallis with car from uh, Tucson, Arizona. So uh, she drove, yes, with car. So it took like a lot more than 20 hours. So she's, yeah, she's my biggest fan and I love my mom till I die. Hey, so Kurt, I got to ask you know, about this. You only played, you only played eight games last year. You were ineligible until February. You know, you come over from Estonia to Tucson. It's a little bit different um, and, and you're not cleared. How difficult was that? And was there any thought, Kurt, to saying, the heck with it. I'm not playing college basketball. I'm going to go back home. Uh, of course, in the beginning, when I found out that I'm not going to eligible to play, that was really rough, especially mentally, because, you know, you, you fly, I don't know, like basically across the world to come play basketball in an amazing program like U of A. And then you just find out that uh, you can't play for, I don't know, six, seven months. So that was really stressful, but uh, mentally it was really tough for me. But, you know, I stick with it. Of course, I had my doubts that maybe I should go play in Europe, but uh, that wasn't the case in the end. And uh, that's probably my second best decision in my life that I did, that I didn't go back to Europe. Hey, I got to ask you, man, one shot that is so hard to master that tonight you had it on full display. This Kerr Crease a floater, baby. Like, I mean, it was unbelievable. And you were hitting him against one of the best shot blocking big men in the country. I mean, how much do you work on that part of your game? And it's got to be something you work on every day. I mean, that's why I was here all summer. Uh, Tommy told me that I got to add something to my package. And uh, since uh, Tommy is such a great coach, he's been coaching really great pointers before. He told me that we got to start working on a floater. So I came here for all summer with Ricky Foyce, uh, Rem, you know, all these, all these guys who came in and we really put it to work in. So... Uh, and today, yeah, I don't know. Just everything kind of went in. So, uh, I mean, it was, it was a great win for us, for sure. Hey, when, I, when I talked to Tommy um, in, the, in the preseason, the one thing he said about you was your swagger. He said it's almost like 
too much in a way, but it's going to benefit you. How much has that helped you and where did you get that from? Um, I think it's, uh, I wouldn't even put it on me, but I think our whole team has a swag. I think we're the swaggiest team on the country. Uh, we do, uh, we have uh, really fun personalities on the, on the court, off the court. And uh, uh, so far we, we like to be in hated. We go to, we go to road games, you know, you already saw how, how the second half was, you know, all the, how, how we, um, how we acted uh, that the house was ours and we, we got the win. So whatever we say, whatever we do, we always got to back it up. So that kind of helps us to keep the chip on our shoulder because, you know, you, you're going to look a clown if you do some stuff and you don't actually win. So I think that's a really good, uh, really good, uh, yeah, kind of helps us to stay locked and uh, be ready for the games and stuff. Yeah. Do you guys feel like, do you guys feel like you've been slept on a little bit coming into the season? Because when you look at your roster, Kerr, like there's a lot of talent with you guys. And in the Pac-12, you've got UCLA, you've got USC. Do you feel like now you've put the world on notice as far as, hey, man, Arizona's here and ready to play? Um, I mean, yeah, but it, in the end, it's, you know, we don't really, we knew that we are better than people think, but we didn't really focus a lot on that. Uh, so uh, we just wanted to, you know, we know how good we are and we know how good they can still become because I think, People, people haven't really seen our good games yet because today it was a battle. It was a hard, hard, hard battle, and we couldn't play a lot of our running game. So uh, I think people have slept on, but you know who cares? It's just the team, the staff, uh, the managers, the donors, just us. And uh, whoever wants to jump on a bandwagon now, they can do it. But side side, the group, the unit that we have, it stays the same. Well, I'm I'm on the wagon. I'm on the wagon, and and uh, no, no, graduate. Yeah. We good. We good, Jeff. We good. <laughs> I appreciate it. The good thing, Kerr, is now you've given me reason to uh, to get out to Tucson. Because if you guys weren't good early, it'd be hard for me to justify getting out to Tucson from Boston. But now I'm out. I'm out. So after the new year, I'm, I'm gonna get my uh, you know what out there and see you. So, but you gotta All get right, that. Can I get a headband? If I come out, can I get a, a, a headband? You got to talk with our equip, best equipment manager in the business. Uh, 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 first, so we got to talk with him and we'll see. If we have something more, I can give you my game, game, game one. I appreciate it, my man. Listen, congrats. Uh, have a safe trip back and we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Appreciate it, guys. You guys. Excellent game, buddy. Yes, thank you. Uh, those are some tough places to play in Europe, but when you go and play at in Champagne, it can get pretty loud. Well, we thank Kirk Kreese for coming on. 
let's turn to our next topic here on After Dark. And our next topic is probably the biggest moment at the Joyce Center in a long time. I mean, it's been a while since the students rushed the court in South Bend. Notre Dame 66, Kentucky 62. What is your immediate reaction to this, Mr. Goodman? Um, I'm, I'm shocked. I thought they were good. I really did. I fell for them in the preseason. I was out there for three days. I was like, I love, I love the way this team is put together because they didn't just have the freshmen. I love Ty Ty. Um, but they had the freshmen with some older dudes. And I walked away thinking, like, all right, my biggest concern is who's going to help Big Oscar down low. But now, man, like, think about this. They lose tonight in South Bend and Notre Dame. Notre Dame was like the worst team in the country in defending the three. They were 349. Teams were shooting almost 43% uh, from three against them. Kentucky, two for 19 from three. And I thought this was a good shooting team. Now, C.J. Frederick is out for the year. That definitely hurt them. But they got Kellen Grady. They got Keon Brooks. They got some other dudes. And you look at it like Kellen Grady is the only guy who made a three tonight. And Notre Dame beat their ass on the glass. Notre Dame, like, what are we doing here? Kentucky has beaten nobody so far. They played two games of, of real consequence, of significance. Duke, they played them well. Didn't beat them, you know, but they, I thought they fought them. But you can't lose at Notre Dame. Notre Dame just lost, got blown out by Boston College not too long ago. So uh, this team, they're out of the top 25. Today, if the season ends, I don't know how you can even make them a tournament team. The only reason I had them in the top 25 is because I liked them when I saw them in the preseason. But today, Kentucky is not an NCAA tournament team today. They can't be. Hard to argue. The, the, the thing for me is, one, I feel like we have to give credit where credit's due. Blake Wesley is much better than I think a lot of people anticipated. Oh. The guard from Notre Dame, man, he is really tough. I mean, he was a top 75-ish kid. But, man, he's, I think he's grown a couple inches since high South school. South Bend zone. South Bend zone. Uh, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah a really good player. But it goes back to this, and I said this to both of you guys after Madison Square Garden. Cal's going to have to manufacture some offense for this team. This is not a dribble-drive team. They don't have this overwhelming athlete at the lead guard spot like he's had in the past with – throw out his best teams, Derrick Rose, elite off the dribble. John Wall, elite off the dribble. Even the Harrison twins could use their leverage to get past guys. Sabir Wheeler was good that first game, but he hasn't really held up to par compared to what he did that first night. It's a team that you – they're all very good players. Are they very good players for Cal and the style that he's coached for a long time, which is dribble penetrate me, somebody? Listen, T.O., he told me in the preseason and everybody else that was there that day, he was like – you know, I invented the dribble drive. I, I, I'm coming up with something now with spacing that's never been seen before. Yeah, well, it sucks. Whatever it is, it absolutely sucks right now. He might want to scratch that and, and, and start over because they could not score today. Severe Wheeler can't make a shot. Uh, he, they're not getting anything easy in transition either. And think about this. They, they've got three freshmen that were all – I don't know. They were all top 50 players. Ty Ty's top 25. Damien Collins is, I think he was top 15 or 20. 
Well, Collins played three minutes. Hopkins, Bryce Hopkins, is top 50 player, he played five minutes. And Ty Ty had seven shots. That's my biggest problem with this team. I still am a believer that Ty Ty Washington is the best player, the best scorer, the best all-around player, everything on this team. He's got to get more than seven shots, period. My question is, too, is how much longer are we going to ride this Davion Mintz train? No, yeah, no, no. He, like, how, how, like, how much are we? When well, are hold we on get... a minute. Hold on a minute. Who is riding that? Uh, uh, Cal is, because the kid's playing a lot. Played 18 minutes today. He should head to the cafe car, have a shot, and get off. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, regardless of what right we're now. saying, the kid's right playing. I would tell you right now. That is an inexcusable, unacceptable, intolerable, ridiculous, silly, and just plain bad loss today in South Bend for the Kentucky Wildcats. You want to win the SEC? You do not lose at Notre Dame. No disrespect to the Fighting Irish. I give Mike Bray a lot of credit. You know why I give Mike Bray credit? He outcoached John Calipari today. You know why? He said, we're not going to turn the ball over. So we're going to keep Kentucky from getting in transition. Look at the turnovers today. Notre Dame had nine. Keep it under 10. Keep it under 10. They kept it under 10. Kentucky only turned the ball over five times. But it's almost in that number that it illustrates that if you slow down the whole pace of the game and you're kind of limiting the possessions, you keep the tie tie Washington from being even better than much better than, than what he what he's been. It's not for me the talent of Ty Ty. Like, I don't think that Ty Ty Washington is less talented than we thought. I don't think he's being used correctly right now on this basketball team. He shouldn't be taking just seven shots. But the fact is, Severe Wheeler was supposed to be a guy that could mesh with him, coexist, maybe do some of the creating, because Wheeler's not a scorer. He's not an efficient one. He's supposed to be making plays. You know, in no world should Washington have five assists to Wheeler's too. But it's hard. It's hard to play. The hardest part for Wheeler is he's a non-shooter. So nobody guards him now. They play him at the foul line and dare him to shoot. And even, you you know, like Terrence, you were a shooter. It was different. But you play with enough guys, it gets in your head too, right? He didn't make shots last year. It's all he's been hearing about this year. Can you shoot? Can you shoot? Can you shoot? He's trying to tell himself he worked on it all off season. But now he's not making it again. People aren't guarding him. Um, they're going under every single ball screen. So it's like playing four on five sometimes in the half court. Yeah, especially when they're backing up, like you said. And sometimes when you have too much space, it messes with you even more because you kind of lose focus and you're worried more about that guy. But to go back to what Fanta was saying, the turnover situation, like a lot of those two were dead ball turnovers by Notre Dame. So they could get back and set up their defense. Absolutely. And Notre Dame's not great, guys. This is the no. same Notre Dame yeah. team no, 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 that, was, no. that was there last year. The exact same team, minus Paul, minus Juwan Durham, add in Paul Atkinson, who we all thought was going to be a big-time scorer there. Hasn't been. The only difference is Blake Wesley, and he might give them a little bit of an edge. But here's the thing, too. Only nine assists. So whenever guys are getting in there, they're not pitching out. And Oscar Toshiba, they're trying to throw it in there every time. He had one assist. Now, he was a well, beast. It wasn't bad. I can't be mad at him. But at the Oscar, same time, Oscar does his thing. Yeah, he does great. But at the same time, like Kellen Grady needs shots made for him. Ty Ty Washington could afford to have a couple of opportunities come his Bingo. way. So he could have a better rhythm too. Bingo. And that's something that I, I hear this lately. 
I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. This is in general basketball, and I think it applies to Kentucky, who went two for 19 from three. One thing that coaches are stressing to their players, I've had two coaches in the last two weeks, telecasts have done say this to me, two power conference coaches. They've said to their kid, their kid who comes in and goes, coach, like, I'm going three for nine in a game. I got to get that up. They start looking at, well, what kind of shots are you taking? It's not just on the player. Everybody thinks the player's got to find higher percentage shots. It's on a coach, too, getting connected with his player and setting them up for the right shots in the course of the game. Not not shots that are, like, everybody says, um, uh, that's that's a tough shot. Not so much tough as it is hard. It's a hard shot. When you're taking a contested 17-footer with somebody in your face, you're not going to hit that shot unless you're absolutely elite. So it's setting these guys up for higher percentage shots. And for me, it's like Kellen Grady didn't just go into the movie Space Jam 2 and lose his talents. He, Kellen Grady, under no circumstances should you have Kellen Grady on your team and go two for 19 from three. They went two for 19 from three-point land. If they, right, make, so- if they make four threes, they win the game. So here, here's my big question. Here, here's what I, I think now we got to start talking about with this team as I start in the preseason. And again, liked it because I like the experience to go with a high-end talent. Maybe it's not as high-end talent as they've had before. It's not because they, they don't have a top 10 recruit this year. But John Calipari with equal talent, is he a good enough coach? That's my bit. He's always had better than better talent than just about everybody he's gone up against. Now, Kellen Grady, if he was that talented, he would have been gone. Severe Wheeler would have been gone. Big Oscar would have been in the NBA. Well, they're not super talented. So now does John Calipari get exposed? I think the answer is yes. Fanta, I'll let you take that one first because I got to think that one over before I just answer so quickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, um, I think that John Calipari is the best CEO uh, in terms of a brand and marketing and leadership. Sure. And also being transparent. Recruiter and a great recruiter. Well, transparent, transparent is one thing. He's a great salesman. He's a great salesman. He's a great salesman. Um, By the same token, his sale, there, it's it's not um, it's not aisle one in the store anymore, you know, because aisle one features the national championship trophy, and the way that he's trying to do it, or the way that they're trying to go about it, it doesn't match. It just doesn't match to me. I mean, to your point on Davion Mintz, and I, I hate to, I, I don't mean to say this uh, to go at Davion, but I will say this, like. He's not a Kentucky player. Davion Mintz transferred to Kentucky from Creighton. Now, Creighton's a good program. Creighton's a great program, actually. They are. They're a great program. Here's my point. You transferred away from Greg McDermott because you thought you'd find greener pastures at Kentucky? Are you you kidding me right now? You couldn't play. And you couldn't play at Creighton. You couldn't play at Creighton. Somebody beat you out. Right. Somebody beat you out. Hey, how about this? the loss so that's of my point. like it's not to me it's like this is not there's just something wrong it kind of feels like a um a, a a box into a round hole 
yeah. you know, square peg into a round hole right now. Like that, I think Kentucky has some talent because you don't just not have talent. They've got talent. But to me, when I watch them play, do you, do you sense the last two seasons now, do you sense that when they go up against high caliber competition, that they're in sync, that they have a DNA? Well, last year, listen, last year, Fana, it was chemistry as much as anything else. Okay. It was chemistry. It was a weird year. Obviously they didn't have the summer. I'm willing to toss that one away a little bit. This one, I'm not willing to toss away. And I still go back to the fact that John Calipari is an X's and O's guy. If you talk to coaches around the country, and I've watched him long enough, he's a good coach. He's not a great coach by any means. Well, here's my, here's my thing with this. Here's my thing with this. Like, the recruiting, the salesman, the getting the players, that's, that's part of the coaching now. Sure. Let's not be naive. When it comes to strictly X's and O's and everything like that, he's not up there. Especially in a conference like the SEC, look at that roster of coaches. And how many – would you say he's in the top five? I probably wouldn't when it comes just to X's and O's. And how about the loss of Kenny Payne? Kenny yeah, it's Payne, hurt. It's hurt because he was so good. He was so connected to the players. Right. Big loss. Right. And he was another guy that helped with the buy-in, right? But at this, on the same token, it just – it goes back to all those players are good players. I'm not sure they're good players for Calipari with the system that he's had. You know, I want to say this too. And, and, and I don't know if you two match with me on this. I, 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 for one, like, I, when Kentucky's great, it's great for college basketball. Yes. When, when ESPN comes on at 645 Eastern time on a Saturday night in February and they show the shot of Lexington and Kentucky's hosting Bruce Pearl and Auburn, I, I mean, I quite literally, I, I, I do something that I'm not going to say uh, on the air. The, the point is, it. in college basketball... Yeah, don't say it and definitely don't do it. It's a beautiful, beautiful sight to see. It really is. I mean, it's, it, is, it is outstanding for college basketball. It's outstanding. It is college sports. We want Kentucky to be great. Like, well, yes, because you love or hate Kentucky. You love or hate Duke. Yeah. So you need them. You need them. The sport needs them. Well, right now, they're just... It, to me, like, the thing is... In the past, you might have been able to get away with some early deficiencies and you figure it out. You jump into SEC play, there is no time, and there are several candidates to win the SEC championship, several. That's the difference. The difference, Fanta, is this team, because they have older guys, shouldn't stumble out of the gates as much as his other teams. That, that's where I thought they'd be better. Now, they've played a soft, soft schedule other than Duke so far. I mean, Notre Dame isn't good. Again, they got blasted to Boston College, who stinks. So, like, this isn't a good Notre Dame team they lost to. I'm happy for LaFonso Ellis, who got in the ring of honor today because he's the best dude on the planet, and they ended up winning. So that was very cool for him. Here, I I have the solution for Kentucky. Ready? I have the solution. And I'm telling you, you guys haven't thought of this. Here's the solution. He's enrolling in January. His name is Jaden Sharp. He's the number one player in the class, and he's not supposed to play. I don't even know if he can get cleared to play this year. Throw him out there. No! Just give him the damn ball. On on, on day one. On day one. If Wake Forest can do it with Carter Witt, if Wake Forest can do it with Carter Witt, Kentucky can do it with Shane Sharp. The minute he steps on campus, starting lineup, I don't want to see Davion Mintz ever again. Hand him the ball. Give Shaden Sharp the effing ball and just say, (laughs) you know what? This is going to be it. Either we're going to be great 
or we're going to be the same shit we are, which is mediocre with this team. You can't be serious with that. I'm 100% serious, Fanna. 100%. I'm in. Shaden Sharp, play him, give him the ball as long as he gets eligible. And, you know, if I'm Calipari, I, I understand. If I do that, he leaves after the year. He goes to the NBA draft. He's gone if he's eligible. I don't even know if that's eligible. I think he is because he's a year out of out of graduating and he's 19. What do you think Shaden Sharp is doing right now? I don't know. He's in Canada somewhere, probably. Um, freezing his ass off, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, but. like just the thought, the thought of him coming into a program in January and just giving him the damn ball. Hey, he's that what he he's the best damn player. He's the best damn player. Okay, wait a minute. So hold on. So you're telling me that this kid is gonna come in and once he steps on the floor and becomes a part of the program, he is automatically a top ten player in college basketball. Fanta. Yes. He is a bigger, stronger, more physical Lou Williams who will step in and be the best player on Kentucky's team tomorrow. Yeah. I picked up my microphone for that. Tomorrow. He's 6'4", Fanta. He can score from all three levels. He can guard. He's not a pig. Like, you put him with Ty Ty, oh, my God. He'll be really good beside Ty Ty because he's not overly selfish. Like, he makes the right basketball play. I'm telling you, Fanta, this dude's special. I've said it. Listen, I've said it, and everybody laughed at me. His impact could be bigger than Zion for Kentucky because what Zion couldn't do – now, I'm not talking about, like, the impact for ratings or any of that shit or selling – any of that crap. I'm talking about the impact on winning, on winning. Because Zion, you could not – here goes Fanta. (laughs) What do you think he's doing, getting a Miller Lite? Is he getting a Miller Lite? He's getting his popcorn. Getting his popcorn ready. He should get his popcorn ready. <laughs> Here's what I will say. What you could not game on the line. You could not hand the ball to Zion Williamson if you were Mike Krzyzewski and say, go make a play. You can do that with Shaden Sharp. You can just give him the ball and say, hey, you know what? Go make a play for you or for anybody else in the team. That is the difference. And that's what I was trying to get at with, with, with again, comparing him to Zion. He can impact winning differently because of his position and what he can do with the ball in his hands. He is the missing piece for Kentucky because he's somebody that can get people on his hip and set off that chain of events. Ty Ty Washington can, but physically he can't hold defenders off because he's still pretty slim. He's still very talented. Shaden Sharp, let's open that popcorn up, Phantom, because that's a real thing. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) everyone in Lexington, you got your popcorn, and I got my damn, I got my damn fat keto cookies here. What the hell are those? What on earth eat is that? I ordered like nine snacks, keto friendly snacks. I've gone through eight of them. They suck. I'm gonna try this one. I haven't tried them yet. I'm gonna try these while we're on. Fat snacks. I guarantee they suck like the other eight. I'll tell you what. If, if Field of sixty eight ever wanted an endorsement from Fat Snacks. This is it. Ready? We are presented Ready? by Bat Rivers. Those look like those look horrendous. Oh my terrible. god! That is this is terrible. <laughs> I'm ending keto. I mean keto that. Sucks. Yeah, fat snacks. Oh. Don't eat fat snacks, folks. That looks so. Two net carbs, good. though. Two net carbs, gluten free. Two net carbs. Shove it up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nobody wants two neck carbs, Goodman. Two neck carbs, who cares? Fat snack. All right, let's move on. Well, we're, off, we're off the rails, boys. We're off the rails. We're off the rails. So uh, Jeff just did a, a, a great uh, example of the description of the non-conference schedule for a certain program. <laughs> um, it's been fat snacks for the Arkansas Razorbacks, I suppose. Arkansas has a reality check today against Oklahoma. Um, Jeff, what is your thought process on the Razorbacks? Not the loss, but who they actually are in this sport right now? I mean, frauds. They're frauds because they haven't played anybody. Like, that's that's my biggest thing. If you're an Arkansas – listen, Arkansas fans went at me. I didn't have them ranked before today. Before they went to Oklahoma – and end up losing to the Sooners. And um, Tanner Groves, I love you, man. Like, I, I just love Tanner Groves. I, I just do. I love watching him. Um, he and his brother transferred from Eastern Washington. But look, here's here's the, the murderer's row that Arkansas has played uh, to date in which the Razorbacks fans felt like they, their team was slighted by not being included in my top 25. Uh, Mercer. Mercer is ranked about 191st. Gardner-Webb, 204. Northern Iowa, 246. Kansas State, 79. Cincinnati, 72. They got pummeled today by Xavier in the Crosstown shootout. Oh, we're going to get to that later. (laughs) Penn, 220. Central Arkansas, 339. Little Rock, 327. Charlotte, 213. Oklahoma today, you can, they're somewhere in that probably 45 range, somewhere around there. So basically Arkansas had not, and still has not played a locked NCAA tournament team all year. Um, Eric Musselman has unbelievable um, in, in terms of uh, job security. He's up there with the best of them right now. And a play that, and, and I think they have Elon and Sienna to come next, by the way. So this is an absolute joke. If you're a month into the season, and that's the shit-ass schedule that you played so far, you cannot be included in any top 25, period. Hey, well, here's my deal, and it's it's you're absolutely correct on all their stuff. I like their pieces beside Musselman, and if quite frankly, if J.D. Note doesn't shoot it the way he's been shooting it, like their percentages are way up. I mean, he's shooting 27% on almost seven-and-a-half threes a game. Like, if he brings that down to about five and – that those shots go to some other people. I think they'll be fine. I, I like a DC Tony, uh, a DC Tony. Gosh, terrible pronunciation. Adi, to, I, I think it's Adiace Tony. Adiace Tony. Terrible you pronunciation. Did, you're worse than Doster. Hey, you're worse oh, than Doster oh. pronunciations. You're, you're actually worse. We're it's doing, late. It's late. And I haven't gone over pronunciation guides today, boys. The week, the week of the week of the final four, if not the week after when it's downtime. Every field of 68 cast member is coming into a Zoom. I don't care how many boxes it takes, Dagan. We are going to do script style. I will dress up in a suit and tie. We're doing a spelling bee of names oh, in no. college basketball. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. but Because <laughs> I will lose. I have a master's degree and I'll lose that. But look, I will say this. They still don't have a good test until they play Mississippi State, who lost today to Colorado That's State. a good test. That's a good test. I mean, but a, a test compared to the rest of their schedule. Yeah. Look at their start of their their their. SEC well, they got Hofstra, Elon, Mississippi State, then Vanderbilt. And like they're right. not going to play. They're not going to play. Could a lose one of those games too. They could. They could lose one of those games. And they could. 
They could. I just, I like the makeup. I think it fits. Wait, 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 wait. And then it goes Mississippi State at Mississippi in in Stark Vegas, Vanderbilt at home, Texas A&M on the road, Missouri at home. So the first four games in in the SEC suck. So like their fans are going to be back on it. They were on on me today still saying that they should be in the top 25. I'm like, what is wrong with you idiots? What is wrong? Like, I don't understand these fans. Like, like, I know you're a fan, but like, look at it objectively. You haven't beaten anybody before today. You go to Oklahoma and lose to an Oklahoma team that really is not a top 40 team right now. How could you possibly justify being in the top 25? This is stupid. I do want to apologize to the state of Arkansas tonight. Um, I'm really sorry. I did, I did not. Jeff just tried to eliminate you from the union. I can tell you, you are still very much a part of the country. Um, look, I think the perplexing thing here, which kind of exemplifies the, the, the poll at times, like the fact that they were ranked, what, 12th? Yeah, 12th? but that's, that's on paper. And that's before the season starts. And for the first week or are two. Are you saying that on paper that they, that they are, could be one of the 12 best teams in America? No, not anymore. Not after watching them, you know, numerous times. And, and Must is a great coach. Not a good coach. Eric Musselman is a terrific coach. So nothing that I have tweeted or said is any reflection on Eric Musselman as a basketball coach. I think he's one of the best out there, but I just don't think their talent, they don't shoot it well enough. And again, they hadn't played anybody. So it's really hard to evaluate based on wins over Little Rock, Central Arkansas, and and, uh, Gardner-Webb and Mercer. Well, here's another thing too, and you you alluded to it when we were talking about Kentucky, like top-end talent still wins. And you're going to get top-end talent from the senior class of high school kids. That's where your top end talent is, not necessarily from the transfer portal. So while some mid to low power five teams, they can really benefit to get from like the bottom of the conference up to the middle. I'm not sure that you can get from the middle to the top of the conference with a bunch of transfers. Is that, is that a bold statement? No, I think, listen, their best player last year was Moses Moody. He was a high school kid who came in a local kid and and turned out to be a lottery pick or right around there. So yeah, I think you're, you're right. And and that's what we're saying about Kentucky. And it's now, again, he's recruiting at a high level. He's got some really good players coming in. He does. Yeah. High school players. So I I think it'll be different by the way. Nate Oates is going bananas right now. Banana close game, Alabama, Houston, Alabama's up two with two eighteen left. Um, really good game in uh, in Tuscaloosa right now. But uh, back to the frauds that are the Arkansas Razorbacks. Go ahead, Fanna. Look, you know, um, here's the thing. That that is fair, more than fair on the schedule stuff. I think the fans of Arkansas are doing the same things, at least in the Northeast, that I sometimes get on the. Uh, from the St. John's fans um, on a very different level, but that they want to, because they feel that the on paper talent is that of an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. The fact is though, if you're ranked in the top 15, particularly it's a disservice to the guys in your locker room. If you're not scheduling marquee games throughout the course of your non-conference season. Right. Right. 
and Kansas State and Cincy. I know they would have played Illinois if Illinois had had beaten, I think, Cincy in their MTE. But still, listen, the, the bottom line is you haven't done it. You haven't beaten anybody. You haven't played anybody yet that's worth, you know, that's an NCAA tournament team. So until you do, and then I'll move you up. Like, that's my take. Once you beat good teams, you'll go in the top 25 if that happens. And I know, yes, Texas is still in there, the back half of the top 25 for me, and they haven't beaten any good teams. But at least they played two good teams. At least they scheduled Gonzaga and at Seton Hall. And they played with Seton Hall uh, right till the very end in, in beautiful, lovely Newark, New Jersey. Beautiful, lovely Newark, New Jersey, the basketball capital of the world tomorrow night at 730 Eastern time when Rutgers meets Seton Hall um, in what should be a rocking atmosphere that the complexion of that entire game has changed. Uh, but let's look back at today. After dark rolls on, we will talk about Alabama and Houston. The moment it goes final, it was Alabama 81, Houston 79, about a buck. 35 left. A uh, couple scores here. I'm going to run you through a couple scores. And T.O., I'm going to lead with you. You're going to take us to one game that you just you love. So make your pick here. We had uh, we had Michigan and Minnesota. Minnesota pulling this off over Michigan. A big-time win for that first-year coaching staff. I mean, that, that, to me, was was very surprising. Uh, I did not expect Michigan to lose that game at home. They lose by 1075 to 65. Ohio State beats up on Wisconsin. The Buckeyes win 73 to 55, and E.J. Liddell keeps looking like a guy that, that we should be thinking about for National Player of the Year. Uh, UCLA beats Marquette. That has just gone final recently. It was 67 to 56. So the Bruins go to Milwaukee. They had aircraft issues. They win that game, and uh, elsewhere among top 25 teams, Creighton beats BYU. That was a surprise, 83-71. to Kansas rolls past Missouri today. LSU commands Georgia Tech. I just gave you a list of about seven games. Terrence Oglesby, where are you taking me? I picked, a couple of days ago, I picked Michigan and Minnesota because I thought that would be a unique test for that first year coaching staff. And they've got a guy named Jameson Battle who went for 27 and seven today. And he is an isolation score that can really go left-handed kid, big body can hold guys off. I kind of wondered if they were going to be able to, to go into the, I guess the neighbor of the big house and get it done. Uh, That's a tough environment to play. I know Michigan struggled a little bit coming out of the gate, but you still got to go in there and do it. And battle is really impressive. I worry about their depth scoring the basketball because it's him and it's Peyton Wills and that's it. After that, it's a significant drop off. But if those two are really good and they get two other guys that can help them out, coach Johnson's got it. It's coach, coach Johnson, right? Before I completely. Yeah, ben Johnson. Yeah. Ben yeah. Johnson. Like it, like he has done a tremendous job here early. Who would have thought the golden gophers would be eight and one. Nobody. Going into Christmas or Nobody. close to Christmas. No, By the way, very Jeff, you know this underrated fan base, underrated atmosphere at the barn. Yes, yes, no doubt, no doubt. They got a great home court advantage. Ben Johnson, the craziest thing about it is he tried to get the Northern Illinois job like a week or two before, before the Minnesota job opened up and he couldn't get it. He was beat out by Rashawn Burno for the Northern Illinois job. And then he ends up getting the Minnesota job. Uh, a week or two later, and he's done an incredible – those kids play hard as shit. Hard. Gosh, really, really hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're a little undersized for that league. 
Like, and they just go out there and they just do all those little yeah. things. And they're just like, well, hey, look, if battle's going to have a good game, we're going to be able to compete because everybody else is going to do the little things. But, man. I, I'm, I'm going – listen, I'm going the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, Fanta. Uh, I, I just think you had two guys that are player of the year, candidate worthy, E.J. Liddell, who I think is my front runner right now for the National Player of the Year award. He's playing without a point guard. Doesn't have a great, great supporting cast, especially in the backcourt, to make his life easier. He's slimmed down. Maybe it's maybe he's had the fat snacks. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? You think he's had the fat snacks? Because he looks great. He looks great. He's defending at a high level. Um, and, and Johnny Davis was good again. Uh, again, both those guys don't have great supporting cast, but I thought that was a big win for Ohio State, who gets Kentucky uh, next week in Vegas. Who's the second best team in the Big Ten? I'm not sure there is one right now. I, I'm honestly not sure. I, I, I might give it to Ohio State just because they have the best player in, in EJ Liddell. I want to see Illinois when Curbelo hopefully comes back. And, and, and again, if they can gel, I think they've got a high upside because, as you saw today, Plummer is a dead-eye shooter. Alfonso Plummer from Utah. Trent Frazier when he's making shots. Those two on the wing. With Curbelo not trying to do too much and Kofi down on the block, whew, I'll tell you what, that, that's a tough team if they can figure it out. Okay, hit the siren here. We got a final possession. I have it on on my phone right now. Houston with the basketball down 83-82. Oh, J.D. Davison, come on, man. What a save at the end. They had an offensive rebound attempt, and he goes up there and blocks it. Man, I'm, what a I'm behind, play. I'm behind here. I'm, I'm on the streams, but it sounds like, oh. Oh, they're going to take a look at it. They think he might have goaltended it. Whoa. Oh, oh my what a play. But I think both teams think they won this. That's now. not goaltending. No way, right? They're, uh, they're going to go look at it. The refs aren't looking at it. They're well, leaving. Kelvin, Kelvin Sampson is at midcourt. This is thrilling drama. Wow. Oh, my oh, God. Marcus Sasser's. Yeah, he's bullshit. All right, got to see. So was the ball at its – had the ball come down from we, its – Can we show ball? a replay? Are they not showing a replay yet? No, they're not showing a replay. Wow. He was heated. He went after the ref- – the referee said they were going to go look at it, decide not to go look at it. Marcus Sasser follows the referees over into the corner, and then the cop had to hold him back. That's a strange situation, and we still haven't been able to see our – replay yet here we go here we go i would be going after the cop too they're not reviewing this play yeah here we go they're no they're not reviewing it and they're bringing it back sasser lost the dribble and this is reviewable folks again we're explaining the rules last two minutes here they can review goaltending and it it was it was goaltending it was on it was on the cylinder when when davidson hit it i don't know if it's on the cylinder terrence but but man hold hold on the 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 replay did not show us Okay, here's what here's one thing I know. I can't you can't see it from that angle. That ball's not at its highest point. But I don't think that's I don't know if that's goaltending. Let's see. Let's see here. That, but that here's ball, the thing. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if good point. Yeah. The ball is going in or not. You have to let the ball ride, right? Well, not I, if it's not on the cylinder, right? But I think it's not it was a good shot. Least All right, here it's we go. Here's a, a, here's a look from the top. That's not a shot, though. That's a tip. Hold on. Well, it's a shot attempt. It is a it's shot. Not. He just went up and tipped it. I think that's out of the cylinder. I don't think that's goaltending. That's tough. 
that's a tough play all around, but big time win. I mean, that's a, it, that was a man's game. Yes. Super physical. I, I'm surprised both teams scored in the eighties because of how physical it was. It, the game was just so fast. Let's see here. One more, one more replay. Hmm. So he oh, tips yeah. it straight up. Oh boy. This is ridiculous. It probably was over the rim. It probably was. I mean, it looked like it was over the rim. See, that's the problem with it. If it's there above where if the cylinder's over, at. It, yeah. Right. No, if it's if, if it's over the rim in any capacity, then it's goaltending. Yeah, see, and it doesn't do matter you know, if it's gonna go in or not, if it's above the cylinder. Wow. How do you it, how do you not look at that? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no goaltend and uh and look look, here's the point. The point is this. On back-to-back Saturdays, Alabama has defeated Gonzaga and Houston. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Crimson Tide are the best team in the SEC right now. Yeah, yeah no doubt. That team yeah. is loaded. I mean, I love, love Javon Quinterly and the way that he has fit in to Alabama basketball. I think it's the perfect match. Um, I'm going to give Douster three points because he, he tweeted this a couple hours ago. I couldn't agree more. Him and Shackelford make up a, a terrific backcourt. And then for me, Alabama's defensive intensity has not wavered. And I thought it probably would, and it hasn't. God, man, Nate Oates is one of the probably one of the five best coaches in this sport right now. Maybe not probably. He just is. The Crimson Tide defend you. Um, they, they have a real DNA, and they have two elite-level guards on their best day. So the Tide – Man, the tie could be sitting in New Orleans. Like, there, we haven't talked enough about just how great this basketball team is. Yeah, listen, I, they, I, no, they they got a chance because they got electric guards. They got Quinterly, who 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 is really matured. They've got JD Davison, who's come a long way in the last couple of weeks. They've got athletic bigs. They play so damn fast, and if their defense can continue to improve, that's the key for them offensively. They're there. They got enough guys who can make shots. Shackleford can really, really shoot it. Um, it's about their defense for me. Yeah, I just think they have so many guards, and not just guards, but top shelf college guards. Where you bring JD Davison off the bench and he's projected as a top 15 pick, like his level of athleticism, he adds a different kind of burst to that team. How about the how about this stat? Houston attempted 23 more field goals than Alabama. No, that's something. Uh, well, that I'm, speaks to Houston. They just I mean, it's a fight. But wait, can we conclude here? Because we got people tuning in. We got a lot of people tuning in. Yeah. Was that goaltending? Was that goaltending T.O.? Go. I thought it was. If that ball's still above the cylinder, at the very least, Fanta, you have to take a look at it. At the very least. I don't see how in the world the referees escape that game as fast as what they do. Uh, Obviously, Marcus Sasser's upset. He's following them into the tunnel. Can't do that. But at the same time, like, like I could see why he was upset. They should at least take, they should take a look at it. I, I thought yeah, since that, it was above it's the hard cylinder. not to. It's hard with that controversy. Like I get that there are certain things in the rule book can can't take a look at. I just feel like that's one that you have to take a look at, don't you? It's 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 the game. It's the game changing play. It's win or loss right there. Yeah, if they score it, it's over. I mean, Houston wins. Yeah, and apparently we have, you know, a, a bit of a weird scene with going after officials. I mean, that's where a head coach of a program has got to stand in and say, hey, 
I'll take care of this here. We, I'll talk to him. I mean, that, that. Well, I think the head coach probably isn't looking at what else is going on with every player. That's the hard part, right? Yeah, you there's don't so know. much. There's so many moving right. parts. You're like trying to get really to the, the officials probably as well, or trying to get an explanation, or trying to figure out how they can take a look at it. You don't know what Marcus Sasser, where he's going, you know, what he's saying. But man, like you said, Ben, the bottom line is, you know what? This Alabama team that we did not expect to necessarily be in this position, especially after they lost to, to Rick Pitino and Iona on a neutral court. We did not see this coming, but they've grown up. And you know what? They're, they're tough as shit. And Nate Oates, is there a better hire than Greg Byrne? Oh, Greg no. Byrne, who goes outside the box, like as far outside the box as you could possibly go, and you hire Nate Oates from Buffalo, who's from the Midwest originally, from Michigan. And he's been in Buffalo and you do it. And I had no idea what was happening. Nobody did. He went stealth, stealth mode. And he got him. And I even said, I'm like, I love Nate Oates. I don't know if I love Nate Oates at Alabama. Yeah. But he inherited a good enough team, guys. He did. He inherited it, enough talent. He did. And you know what? He develops talent. He develops yeah. talent. Um, Javon Quinterly has, has, has jumped leaps and bounds. He fits Alabama. He didn't play much at Villanova, but in trans- I got a ref. Hey, I got I got a referee, a, a, a very uh, high level ref, and I just texted him, and he That's said, fair. if they don't have a call on the floor, they can't look at it. Looks like goaltending, he said. But I'm looking at my phone, and this is this is a top ten official in the game. But, but that needs to change. That needs to change. If they don't, have, they need to they need to be able to look at that because it. So you're saying to me that if it were called as a goaltend. Then if they if there's a call on the floor, they can take a look at it. Yes. That, that's that's the type of decision that just because there's not a call doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it. You want to get it right. I'm with you, Fanta. That that rule needs to be changed. I'm sure this is something that they'll look at for next year, but that rule needs to be changed. Go back to Alabama. That's what they do. They do that, right? Based on a big call, that's how they change the rule book, ultimately. That that, that it feels like that's the only reason when they screw it up. Uh, and again, probably not the official's fault. I mean, it, it was that they missed the call and it looked like it was goaltending to me as well. It looked like it was on top of at least a portion of the rim. So I think it was goaltending. Um, but man, that, that's, that's a tough call. That's a tough, that, listen, that's a tough pill to swallow. If you are Kelvin Sampson, uh, Marcus Sasser in Houston, that just went to Tuscaloosa, played a hell of a game. You know, remember, they, they they had had the loss to Wisconsin earlier in the year, and we didn't know Wisconsin was any good at that point. And we were like, eh, maybe Houston's not that good. Well, they've blown out Virginia, who I know isn't great, and they've blown out Oregon so far this year. So this win would have really solidified Houston as a top-10 team right now. Yeah, I will say, though, the fact that they their pursuit on the glass and you lose by just a point at Tuscaloosa – they still help the way that I view them big picture. I mean, the problem is. Here, here's that- more from my, my the ref. One more thing. I'm sorry, Fenna. Uh, he said you should be able to. He said they can't look at it if they don't have a whistle on it. You should be able. They'll change that next year because of this. That's what he said. How about they that? Changed it. They should have changed it tonight. Uh, yeah, they should. They should. But again, they have a rule book for uh, a reason, I guess. It's not always right. But 
they, they do have it. So nothing you can do about it. Well, as soon as it happened, the refs looked like they were conferring, like they were going to take right. a look at it. And then obviously that now that plays over, they can't do anything about it. So. Okay. This, so, is, now, this is now the field of 12 after dark, everybody. Welcome yeah. to the show. We're actually going to be your college football crew for the rest of the season. I'm John Fanta. He is Terrence Oglesby. And Jeff Goodman is with us. First up on the menu, we're going to talk Maction and the best picks for your bowl season. No, we're going to ask you, Alabama, a double title on the night that Bryce Young wins the Heisman. You have Nick Saban on one sideline, Nate Oates on the other. Could the Crimson Tide win a double title this year? Listen, Terrence is the Clemson guy, so I'm going to defer to him. I'm a Boston guy. I can't claim to be a big college football dude, so I'm going to, I'm going to defer to the Clemson guy here. Hey, I'm not I, – I just can't deny Nick Saban when it comes to playoff time. I think he's proven it enough. So, assuming – because it's a basketball thing, assuming that Bama does win football, Nate Oates' guards can win six games in a row. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. Six games in a row, and and we can get as all complicated as we want to. The hot team in March typically can get all the way there. I'm going to tell you what about Alabama basketball. And look, for the record, Crimson Tide football, I always say this. Like, so you, you give Nick Saban several weeks to get ready for a football game, the game's over before it starts. Yeah. It's over before it starts. They're advancing to the championship game. And they're going to save up guys. They're going to rest up, too. They're going to win that, too. Um, do not bet against Nick Saban. Don't no. do it. We're presented by Bet Rivers, and Bet Rivers will tell you to do the same. But for Alabama basketball, Jawan Gary has really taken a leap for this basketball team. And it's the classic example of last year, he didn't have much of a role. He was a freshman. He averaged a couple points a game. Alabama had guys in front of him. I mean, but, but he has – you lose Herb Jones, you lose yep. some other key pieces. The question was, could guys like Jawan Gary step in and be as fierce of players as those guys? Jawan Gary goes for 19 to 9. He's tough as nails, guys, and he has taken a sophomore leap. Yeah, he's been good. And he's dealt with injury ever since he got to campus, too. I mean, this was a Team USA kid, top 50 kid from Columbia, South Carolina. He Big, strong, physical body, and he fits what they need because he's okay being fourth fiddle. I was actually also going to bring up Charles Bidiaco. His numbers don't stand out, but he's, he's man, he gets those guards open off the off the ball screens because he sprints up and sets some tough ball screens for their guards that are so good with the basketball. But uh, anytime Juwan Gary goes for nineteen, that's just that, that that's just icing on the cake. Well, and last week. 13 of 34 from three against Gonzaga tonight, seven of 18 from three. If they shoot it well enough, they're really, really tough to beat. And like you said, they got guards. I mean, they got so many good guards four really high, high level, uh, either guards or wings and, and the bigs are good enough. So yes, I, I absolutely think they could, they could pull the double dip here and, and win a football national title. And they're one of a dozen or so teams that has a chance to win six straight in March. So we, I just got a text message here from the bosses of the network. Okay. They said we should wrap the show. Folks, 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 we are not wrapping the show quite yet. We cannot (laughs) wrap the show quite yet. No, we cannot. We cannot. 
Of course we can. We built a graphic for heaven's sake. The graphics department has been hard at work throughout the night. Please cue it up, Mr. Hughes, because we cannot end the evening without talking about the best basketball conference in America at the moment, Mr. Goodman. Well, and, and you know what else we, we can't do? Beyond that, uh, we, we also uh, have to take care of um, Chris Voigt, Voigt from, um, from Wisconsin before we, we wrap this show. Uh, absolutely, and we will do that. Okay. We will absolutely so, do that. I want to make sure we do that as well because it's more important than any game today, his efforts to help people in his hometown. So, that, that is coming. Yeah. That is coming. Let's get back to, to, to where we were. Here we go. Okay, here we go. This is where the, the social media videos come out yeah. here, right right here on Field of 68 After Dark. As we sit here and talk right now, this conference is 86 and 22 on the season. This conference has won 17 of its last 18 games as a league, as a league, including in the last 48 hours, a Seton Hall win over Texas. Yeah. A DePaul win over Louisville. A Georgetown win over Syracuse. I'm not saying that that's on the level that the other wins are. I'm saying that's that was proclaimed as your bottom. They're beating Syracuse. Right. And then also earlier tonight, Xavier drubbing Cincinnati and sending Wes Miller out with an egg. And also earlier today, Creighton beating a top 25-ranked BYU team behind Ryan Hawkins, who was outstanding. The point, the Big East Conference is on fire. I think it's one of the surprises in the sport this season because we didn't know what this league was after Villanova, quite frankly. The league's depth is there. The conference has put up a, an out-of-conference performance that can get you seven tickets to the NCAA tournament on Selection Sunday. It is a huge bounce back here for the Big East, and the state of the league is strong. It's been great. It's been it's been shockingly really, really good. And I've been waiting every year for the Big East to fall off since the realignment. And it never has. I feel like, you know, again, getting UConn was huge for the league. The timing was perfect for getting UConn. Uh, Seton Hall, Kevin Willard just does an incredible. You know what you're going to get out of Villanova every year. But Xavier this year. Finally, Travis Steele's got a team now and Fremantle's healthy and Scruggs and he's got shooters with Nate Johnson and maybe Providence is for real. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, Eddie's one of the better coaches in America that doesn't get the credit, but they've fallen off, you know, a little bit on hard times the last two years. Marquette, I think, is falling down to earth, guys. I do. And I'm not a believer in DePaul. And Butler, I'm not a believer in. Georgetown, I get that they beat Syracuse, but I still think they, they, other than three games last year, they've stunk for the most part in the Patrick Ewing era. And I hate to say it because Patrick Ewing, you're wearing his shirt, I know, and he's one of the greatest players of all time. So, I, listen, they've done enough in the non-conference. More than enough. That, yeah, that, that they're going to get five teams in by default. No matter what happens in league play now, they are going to be guaranteed to get five and there's a good chance they end up getting six. Well, I th- also think it's important that, you know, you're not a b- believer in DePaul, but at the same time, they have some big non-conference wins too. So that just yanks the yeah. value up for a win against them during conference play. 
Like they have just showed out from top to bottom. And guys, I, I wasn't entirely uh, familiar with the Big East before this year. You wasn't entirely. I mean, I knew the teams there. Familiar? You didn't even know you'd never been to a Big East. You know, we we never allowed you because your accent. Nobody could actually. Hey, man, I'm a huge Big East guy. Let's not. Let's not. A huge Big East guy. Paul Scruggs might be my favorite player in the country. Terrence he might be my favorite. All gas, no breaks. Paul Scruggs, Xavier basketball. That's Terrence, all I'm about Terrence, right now. All I can think of, hold on, Terrence. Terrence, I, I got to cut you off for a second. Just say, like, when you say I'm a huge Big East guy, all I can think of is, is and I, I don't mean this, I'm, we're not politics. All I can think of is President Trump welcoming the Alabama football team with, like, McDonald's and KFC. That's like, right. that, you know, like that, like, let me welcome you for, for a great meal. And that like, that's, but now you've grown into this here and you have become a huge Big East guy. Go on. Huge Big East guy. Paul's great. Man, it just looks like it hurts every night. If you play a Big East team, they are so physical and athletic and old. It is an old, old league. And Paul Scruggs and some of these other guys, man, RJ Cole, I'm thinking about like top shelf guards and players Zach Fremantle his crazy ass was running around like nuts over there at Xavier tonight like it's a fun league it's a fun league it's going to be competitive every night this year and the win over St. Bonaventure UConn they were missing two players correct that's a big win yeah that's a much bigger win than I think people are giving credit for too that was a nice win that might have been Danny Danny's best coaching job this year Let's talk about this for a second. Travis Steele has rolled up to Dana's, which is right by the Cinta Center, and he's put another $1,000 down at least at the bar. Xavier drops Cincinnati tonight. They're quite a, a welcoming to the rivalry for Wes Miller. I mean, this was 83-63, to 63, and it wasn't even that close. And how about this, guys? How about this? This gave me Matt Stainbrook-like vibes. Jack Nunji goes for 31 and 15 in this game. It was a throwback Xavier, Xavier uh, big man performance. The Iowa transfer was great. I thought they had a terrific defensive game plan. And Zach Fremantle gets ejected from this game. And upon getting ejected, he goes with the zipper on his warm up jacket. Awesome. With an, so an, o, an ode to two Holloway. It's the 10 year anniversary of the fight. 10 years ago. Goodman, do you remember, do you have any recollection of the fight and like how you covered it at all? Yeah. You, what happened was, how about this? The craziest thing ever was um, Tom Iser's their SID there. Great, great dude. And, you know, I had known Mark Lyons forever to Holloway. They were both kind of prep school uh, guys around here. And I remember hitting Iser right away with, Hey, can I get, uh, can I get one of them on the, on the phone? And yeah, he put one of them on the phone, like right away with me to be able to talk about the whole deal, you know, the whole zip it up and the fight and everything like that. And I was, I just couldn't believe all that was being said um, throughout it all and, and, and getting the raw emotion at that point of what had happened. Uh, but it was, it was just, you know, you're watching on TV and you're like, I cannot believe it, it it's happening. But those two teams then, when you knew the players, like I knew those players, I knew Cheeks, Mark Lyons. I knew Two Holloway. I knew Yancey Gates. Those guys, it didn't surprise me. And, and then when you go to the, the Crosstown shootout and you see the hatred and how close the, and how different the schools are from each other in terms of like 
the perception and everything like that. Not, yeah, you, you, you can see how, how heated it gets. I'm old enough to remember how freaking big Yancey Gates was. It's the monster. Dude, he was scared. He was massive in college. Tell you what, that's a, another win for Xavier. Get this. There are three teams, three teams in the country with three quadrant one wins on the season. Michigan State is one. Xavier is two. Providence is three. And that's what stands out to me about the Big East. We knew Villanova would be at the front of the pack. We knew UConn would likely go dancing. We had a gut feeling that Xavier would likely go dancing with Scruggs, with Fremantle, with a nice transfer Nunji, with Kobe Jones as a sophomore. Seton Hall's been all reliable, if you will. Kevin Willard just seems to be so consistent. Jared Roden is a superstar. And the Pirates are defensively, they're a top 10 defense in college basketball this season. So you got those four. But to me, Marquette's a shocker. Shaka Smart, what he's done in year one is amazing. Daryl Morsell has has added so much to that team. They defend you. The, the havoc has returned. They're a factor because they have four power conference wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, Providence is 10 and one. The Providence no, they're five, the one. The they're the, they're the surprise. You know, the one that's come up empty, that's got nothing in their bag right now, are, are you Johnny's? They got nothing, fam. Yeah. They're 0 for 2. It's a horrible non-conference schedule because you put all your eggs in two baskets, go into Bloomington, Indiana, and then Kansas at home, which you you don't want to put your eggs trying to outcoach Bill Self. I mean, what are you doing? No. But the point is, this league has done its part and then some. And the, the biggest thing for me is when your teams – that are near the bottom or picked at the bottom are still racking up power conference wins so that if your top has a really like, let's say they have a bad night and they lose that game. It's not demoralizing. If you lose it to Paul this year, it doesn't end your season. Yes. You're right. Tony Stubblefield was a hire. Let's, let's say it. Let's call spade a spade. When Dwayne Peavy made that hire at DePaul, a lot of people wondered what is going on here. I did this. I did this. A lot of this. But you know what? Head you know what? You, you think about it. And, and one thing, like I talked to Dwayne in depth about this, and I'll share this. He said people knew Tony brought in players at Oregon and he can recruit guys. And we, we knew that was his pedigree. When, when you're sharing an office, T.O., with Dana Altman and Mick Cronin, you, you, you learn some things about what Good you point. can do throughout the course of the game. Yeah. I mean, we, we got to look at where he comes from and understand that Tony's energy is, is great for DePaul. Like, DePaul needs a fresh energy. Dwayne Peavy's supplying that, and Tony Stubblefield's supplying that. Good for DePaul, and the Blue Demons are, are a team that's on the map after that win at Louisville. They are on people's radar, definitely more so than they have been. So for the Big East Conference, this has been a huge start to the year, and there's reason to think that they're the top league um, in America. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Goodman first. Baylor, Villanova, who you got? I got Baylor and Waco. I do. I mean, listen, you know, it's funny when you talk about Villanova, the first word that comes to mind is culture. And I, I feel like now when you talk about Baylor, the first word that probably comes to, to mind is culture. So I saw that game two years ago in Fana. I remember doing the interview with you for Big E shoot around and I was in Myrtle beach and I was at my hotel in Myrtle beach. And I had just watched Villanova beat. I mean, Baylor beat Villanova to win the Myrtle Beach uh, tournament 
And I remember talking to Scott Drew after that and saying, I, I love this team. I think this team can, can be special. And obviously it got taken away from him that year, but last year they win it all. And now he's revamped it. Like, they're, they're, I mean, that's the craziest part in Baylor, in Waco. This dude has found a way to lose four starters and still have a team that we're talking about potentially as a number one team in the country after losing four starters at Baylor. That's insanity. Yeah. And we talked about it a couple of days ago too. It might be the only team in the history of college basketball that wins a national championship and gets more athletic in the offseason. Like Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sochon, like those guys are difference makers defensively on the perimeter. James Akinjo has been good too, guys. 6.1 assists. Like we might've underestimated him a little bit. Or we might have Rob Doster, obviously uh, loves Akinjo, but at the same time, I didn't expect them to pass the ball just as well, if not better this season than last year. I think that's the big thing. They averaged two more assists this year than they did last year. I think that's massive. And so give me Baylor because I think they match up physically so well against Villanova. Plus it's at home and that place is going to be rocking in Waco. Yeah. Where, where I look at with this matchup, the key is from a Villanova perspective, can they keep Flo Thamba and Jonathan Shamwatatua off the glass. Because if those guys are getting extra opportunities, which they are, they do so well. Like, you know when you're going to play Baylor, you're probably going to get out-rebounded. That's a real tall task for Eric Dixon. I mean, that's a tall task for him and Jermaine Samuels. So, for me, it's actually Villanova, the way that they played Baylor last March without Gillespie. Remember, Villanova was up in that game about 10 minutes to go. It was like, what's going on here? Jay Wright limited possessions. He said, we're going to hang on to the basketball, which they do very well. If they're going to win this game tomorrow, they, they probably have to hit a dozen threes to win the game. If they're going to win this game, because you got to be so efficient against Baylor because they're going to give it right back to you. If you're inefficient against them, they're, they're a team that thrives on extra opportunities. Don't create them for them. So I think it's kind of Villanova's spacing. Like they need Justin Moore. And Brandon Slater is probably the X factor to the game. He's got to make a few shots, too. He can't make shoot like he did last game. Yeah, but you know what? Baylor's – like, you think about Villanova. Anytime they play somebody, you say, oh, they got a backcourt advantage. Baylor's guards are are right there, if not better. Yes. They're collecting. I, I, we didn't even say L.J. Cryer's name. Yeah, he's kind of getting looked over with all the talent that they brought in, all the young talent. He's been great. He's, he's been, been unbelievable. Yes. Yes. And then, and then too, another thing I will say for in Villanova's favor is Colin Gillespie's still really good. He's still really, really good. And Baylor thrives off live ball turnovers. He ain't going to do that tomorrow. Not, you're what, not going to be able to do that. It'll be close. I would be very surprised if it's a blowout. I think um, Villanova – like, the one thing about Nova is they're ranked sixth, and they're, they're looking for that great win, that great win. Look, look, there'd be nothing bigger. Baylor hasn't lost, folks. I mean, if Baylor wins tomorrow, they're the number one team in the country Monday. No, yes, doubt. no question. And here's my thing that scares me if I'm Villanova. Since they're so undersized, not just on the interior, but the length on the wings for Baylor, they're going to have to hit 12 threes over super high hands, like not kind of high hands. Like they recover so well defensively. Watching them in person, Fanta, is, is like it's mesmerizing almost. If Baylor loses tomorrow, if they were to lose, who should be number one Monday? Duke, Duke, absolutely for me. Yeah, I think I'm going Duke too. Okay. 
Well, enough basketball talk. We're going to go beyond basketball here. And, and uh, folks, uh, what has happened in Kentucky uh, with the storms, with the tornadoes and the surrounding area there, uh, it's very unfortunate. And we send our thoughts and prayers um, to everybody that's been impacted. Uh, this is just, it looks, the pictures, the videos look terrible. It's heartbreaking to see. And, uh, you know, today Wisconsin played Ohio State and, Chris Vogt, who you guys talked to earlier today, he had much more than basketball on his mind throughout this day. Um, and he, his hometown is Mayfield, Kentucky, which really, really took uh, a toll. Uh, and there are victims there have been affected. Houses just take, torn apart. And Chris, his Twitter handle, folks, is at Chris, C-H-R-I-S, V-O-G-T 33, Chris Vogt 33 of the Wisconsin Badgers. He's created a GoFundMe. Uh, it's good to see that it's gone viral. We want to keep it going. I'm going to retweet it right now. Uh, I think all three of us will. So check our Twitters. If you can give something to the GoFundMe, our thoughts, our prayers. The link is also in, in this description as well on here. And uh, Jeff and Terrence, they talked with Chris Vogt earlier tonight. And this is how we're going to end the show here tonight with this interview, actually. And we, we would ask all of you, as we sign off here on the Field of 68 After Dark, if you could give anything uh, to Chris's cause of, of helping his community in Mayfield, Kentucky, please, please do. So we thank you for watching tonight. Please check out this interview right now with Chris Vogt. And please, if you can, give something to those victims in Kentucky. Uh, Chris is from Mayfield, Kentucky, where I think everybody by, by now knows that a tornado storms ravaged the town. Town's about 10,000 people. Uh, late Friday and early Saturday morning, uh, the Mayfield, Kentucky governor said the death toll might be as close to 100 people who, who died from the, the storm. Uh, Chris played earlier today in Columbus, Ohio. Chris, first of all, the biggest thing, um, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How are your friends doing? How's everybody back in, in Mayfield that you've spoken to? Uh, how are they doing? Yeah, it's been a wild 24 hours. Uh, luckily, family's doing good. Friends, everyone I've reached out to, uh, health-wise, are doing good. Some have had some minor damages, but uh, it's been just a wild 24 hours. Hey, Chris, I, I know you had a lot on your mind. It was a tough day, you know, for a multitude of reasons. What was it like for you? mentally to kind of get through that and still be able to play with your teammates and and was it one of those things where your guys kind of uplifted you but you were still playing with a heavy heart so to speak yeah I'd say for sure I mean just kind of walk you through how I found out uh I woke up this morning I had a text from a former coach and all it said was are your parents okay and I had no idea what he was talking about. I knew my parents were on their way to Columbus for the game because it's fairly close to where I'm from. And first thing where my head goes, it's like something happened to them. It's a car wreck, like what's going on? And start reading through like Twitter, get other notifications and find out uh, just exactly what happened with the tornado, see the pictures, see the videos. And I was just speechless. It was just so much to like take in and see place where I grew up and see just how it got affected it was just tough to see and so I go back to what you were saying yeah it kind of was on my mind it was like getting ready for the game and trying to focus 
uh, I'd say my teammates would definitely kind of help me focus and get back my head back where I needed to be. And I'd say just kind of as the game went on, I was able to kind of clear my mind a little bit more. Have you seen pictures of your house and, and friends' houses and maybe relatives? I know, obviously, I mean, I think they affected all of us when you see them and you see the town, mm-hmm. part of it completely leveled, Chris. But for you, I mean, obviously, it's so close to home. It is home. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any pictures of my neighborhood yet. My parents are out of town. They were here for the game. Uh, I saw kind of just like a diagram of where the tornado went. It looks like it went by about a mile or so from where my home was. So it was fairly close, but I don't think it actually hit my neighborhood. But just seeing pictures and videos of just everywhere that I used to go growing up and just seeing it just completely torn apart and just destroyed. It was just really hard to see. And, and some of my friends just talking to them, they said like you literally exceed the tornado outside their house. It was like less than a quarter mile away. And just, just glad they're okay. It's tough. And, and you've obviously kind of taken matters into your own hands, uh, started a GoFundMe page. I'll, I'll let you kind of describe uh, how how people like us, like Jeff and I, and people watching can help. Uh, you know where the money is going to go, and how how you've been able to uh, kind of start this under your own um, inhibition, I guess you would say, or your own, you know, your own way. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the game was over, and felt like I could spend just a hundred percent of my focus and figuring out what I could do to help. The first thing that came to mind was just starting to go fund me, just trying to do whatever I can to help the people back home. Uh, I think right now I'm setting the money, just all of it would go to the Red Cross. And I'm just trying to do whatever I can to help people back home. What's the, the GoFundMe page, Chris, so everybody kind of knows where to go? Uh, what is it exactly? I think the title of it is uh, Help Mayfield, Kentucky Tornado Victims. but uh, there, the links in my Twitter, Instagram, Instagram bio. Uh, what's your Twitter, Chris? Articles. What, Twitter, what's your Twitter is Chris, Twitter? Uh, Chris Chrisvo33. Perfect, perfect. Listen, Chris, I uh, really appreciate you you joining us here. Obviously, everybody watching, um, help, please help. I'm going to, and, and I think everybody, if you watch the videos, you watch, you know, look at those photos. Um, it's hard not to feel uh, for your community, Chris, where you grew up, you know, the people you grew up with and um, take care of them, man. Take care of them. I hope everybody's okay. That that's close to you. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us. And I'll tell you what, it, it, it makes basketball secondary, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of puts everything into perspective. Sure does. All right. Uh, Chris, appreciate it. Uh, be well and, uh, and definitely stay in touch. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.